This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Follow the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patrons. Because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online, we would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash book. That's clnsradio.com slash book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, October 16th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. And I am Larry H. Russell. It has been a month. The last time I have graced this space. And with it, the CLNS Radio Airwaves. And here I am, privileged to be back here hosting this show once again. And for the long haul... With opening night against the Brooklyn Nets, now just a mere 10 days away. Oh, how we can't wait. But preseason, Celtics, they've been playing well thus far, team-wise, individually, results, record-wise, which we know that part doesn't mean as much. But the slate is just about ready to wrap up one more week of it with two games on tap this week at the Garden. We've seen plenty. Or how much has everyone seen? I tell you, it's been a, a whale of a sports month per usual here in the New England area, October. Where do the Celtics fall in the pecking order for some? I know for many in this audience, it's all Celtics all the time. You live and die by them. But we've got a broad audience, so it has been hard to catch up on some of these preseason games thus far with not just the blackout rules that have sort changed some of you folks out-of-town fans but for sports fans in the area, October October has been busy for you with the Red Sox. Now they're out, and the, David Ortiz in the postseason, Tom Brady returning. I know I got caught up in the Ryder Cup a few weeks ago. The election, ahem, uh, maybe. Understandably, Boston Celtics preseason games as intriguing and as excited as we are for the upcoming season. I totally understand that they have fallen a bit on the back burner on your remote control dial this month. But hey, happy Celtics beat has still made it on your podcast playlist on this crisp autumn New England day. And to some of my closest acquaintances, my closest peers, I'm not calling you my friends, but you know who you are. Happy British Golf Day. Always a glorious day on the calendar, isn't it? Everyone else? You didn't hear nothing there. Anyways, as we know, first time I've been here in a month. Last few weeks, last week, uh, Justin Poulin of Celtics Stuff Live, every Monday is on CLNS Radio. He brought in Team Celtics Blog, Celtics Nation's fearless leader of the internet means, Jeff Clark, also Bobby Manning, one of their lead writers and columnists. He stopped by as well, chatted with Justin, did a little mailbag. A few weeks ago, prior to the preseason, so like a really long time ago now, Shows how long I've been out. Nick Gelso was here. He and Ty Ray, the Beats and Eats tag team, www.beatsandeats.net. Our usual summer episode of Celtics Beat Classics. They threw the time machine back to the 1970s with stalwart and NBA Hall of Famer, former Celtic guard JoJo White, and also last but certainly not least, Celtics Beat reporter and host of the Garden Report, Jared Weiss, did a stellar job with Celtics guard Marcus Smart. Remember Marcus coming into camp with an entirely different shooting form. 
That was the predominant storyline of the preseason of training cramp. And it was Jared who spoke to Mr. Smart directly here on Celtic Speed, where he got the lowdown on everything Marcus did over the summer, how it came about, his changes, what he expects, all the technicalities, etc. All that talk that ensued over the days after that and the analysis that followed, it was all based on Jared's chat with Marcus, his exclusive, his slow-mo video of Marcus's new form, the piece that he wrote that day on Celtics blog. That exclusive with Marcus, available in the archives on iTunes, Stitcher, and the CLNS Radio mobile app. Want to get into that because Smart, well, like a lot of Celtics, see, that's what what's great, is almost everyone on this team sort of has their own little personal storyline and W2-W4s for this coming campaign. And Smart, in his development and his ability to be a plus on the offensive end, no question, that's going to be at the top. Want to get into that as much as I can, but here we are, some like five, six minutes into the show, and shows shows you how off my game, shaking off the rust here. How dare I not introduce our guest right off the bat as I normally do? I know you can see, uh, you've probably clicked the show and everything, but he has been waiting here, patiently waiting on the other end of the phone as, as I've been banging this out. Uh, how... How rude of how rude of me! I, I'm I'm sure you know who it is. Like I said, uh, particularly if you're listening online and you click the show, you see the title. But today's featured interview will be none other than the legendary Bob Ryan, doing a little preview of the 2016-17 Boston Celtics in rapid fire format. Coming up on episode number 179 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being presented by Movement Watches. All get into them. Happy to have them aboard, alongside, of course. American Farmers Network.com, our dearest supporter, American Farmers Network, now available at your local retail store, as well as, of course, American Farmers Network.com. But as I've said, got Bob Ryan here. And today, our interview with Bob is brought to you by our newest sponsor. You've heard him over the past few weeks, but this is my first stab at them Movement Watches. We are now well into Q4. Which means the holidays, they are right around the corner. It is the third week of October after all. Of course, that means gift shopping for yourself, your family, your friends. And let me say, you cannot go wrong with a movement watch. You go to the retail store, it's four to 500 bucks for a halfway decent watch. But some young entrepreneurs, actually two broke college kids, they could not afford a sleek watch for themselves to look good on whatever occasion. So they went out and founded their own watch company, The American Way, online. They took the middleman out. And that means, as we know, that savings goes directly to you, the consumer. Stop getting ripped off, whether it's food, products, fashion, no matter what, who you're purchasing for, what you're purchasing. Style should not break the bank. MVMT watches start at just 95 bucks, and I tell you, these things are slick. I got the gunmetal watch. I also got a bunch from my peers here at CLNS. Trust me, this makes an incredible gift. People see how good this looks on anyone. They're going to be floored. It's got that classic design, quality construction, style minimalism. Again, they start at just $95. Go check them out, and of course, as a loyal listener to Celtics Beat, here we go, 15% off your first order with free shipping, and here's the real kicker, free returns, so you just can't lose. 
mvmtwatches.com slash Celticsbeat. mvmtwatches.com slash Celticsbeat. 15% off your first order with free shipping and, again, free returns if you don't like it, which from what I've seen, I am confident you will. Just as I'm confident that we're going to get the goods coming up here from one of the all-time basketball scribes, a man who needs no introduction, the author of Scribe himself, Bob Ryan. Welcome back in a Celtic speak. Well, thank you. Nice to just be ready for the start of another season. Likewise, but how about this? Because this is something I know you'd be good at, particularly as you did it yourself for so many years when you were actively involved with the team, covering the team. Me and you both know, and as much of our audience shares or even exceeds that similar anticipation about this season. But I was wondering if you could give the casual Celtics fan, particularly here in the New England area, that were especially those preoccupied these last few weeks, reasons to be excited for the 16-17 campaign. Here's a team that has continually progressed in the three years of the Brad Stevens era and has now added to the mix uh, a, a, a very interesting addition uh, in Al Horford. Uh, this is the highest level profile free agent, prime of life free agent that the Celtics have ever signed. And I was a skeptic for years saying uh, they have yet to and maybe never will get a prime of life free agent to come to what is in the modern thinking of a uh, athlete, an old, cold eastern city, and they don't care about the floor anymore or the flags or any of that. That, that just isn't, uh, that doesn't have the resonance that it once did. And I just thought it would be very difficult to attract a player of this quality. But Al Horford uh, is uh, taking uh, uh, his talents now to to Boston. And what is Al? Al is a, is, is a all-star level player who is a, a, uh, a hybrid big man. He's a generic big he is neither a four nor a five. He is a big. He is. A, he, he has versatility. He can play with his back to the basket. He can play facing the basket. He can pass. He can salvage a broken play because uh, he knows how to play this game and, and go set a pick. Uh, he he's, uh, re, he can rebound uh, and he's a, 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 a an adult. He's a guy that commands personal respect, and I think that's going to uh, have a spillover uh, effect on the younger players. Um, is he a great player? Is he a first-team or maybe even not a third-team all-league player? Well, he hasn't been at that level yet, but uh, maybe uh, playing with the new people he's going to play with will bring out the best in Al Horford. That's number one. Number two is that uh, they, uh, the, the team has so many hard, uh, hard aggressive, hard-playing players who are fun. But watch, Jay Crowder. I had no idea how good Jay Crowder was when he came here. I had, I had seen him in college. I saw him at Marquette, but I, I projected him as just being a rotation roster guy, but nobody that would be a, a significant import to a team. Uh, but he's turned out to be a very useful player. And, uh, uh, and of course, the little guy. Uh, I'm just, I'll stop with this because uh, I'm just sort of rambling here. But who can, how can't you not want to root for Isaiah Thomas? How, how much fun is he to watch? Um, he, he's extraordinary in his ability to get to the basket. Uh, he's got a giant heart. Uh, um, he has his limitations, and, and in the playoffs, uh, that, that's why they need another scorer. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to ask a five foot nine inch guy to, to carry you. But in the course of the 82, uh, he's going to have a lot of big nights and uh, and and and. and He's always fun to watch. Um, um, uh, and once again, I didn't know how good he was when he got here either. Uh, so let's give credit to Danny Ainge for 
knowing how good they were, that's his job, and he's doing it very well. So Horford, Crowder, Isaiah Thomas, the reasons for casual fans to be excited about the 2017 Boston Celtics. One, th- I always think about this. The Celtics, they have this incredible worldwide following. It's a very good national following. Maybe of all the it's, – it's very interesting. They're probably the fourth most popular team if all things were equal in Boston. Yet, if you look at it from a national worldwide landscape, they're the most popular team outside of the New England region. But – what is it about this region where it seems that it's harder for the casual basketball fan to get into the Celtics unless they're a clear-cut championship contender? I've lived in this area for over 50 years, and, and one of the truisms is that it's still at core a hockey town. It just is. Now, you just have to start with that premise. This is the number one hockey town in America, and don't give me nonsense about hockey town, Detroit, the only – city I would even listen to an argument would be Denver. Uh, uh, But the fact is that this is the city in America, the metropolitan area in America with the longest tradition of generational passing on the torch of hockey, loving uh, of of hockey, of a love of hockey, uh, where hockey has a a history that goes back to the turn of the 20th century, a charter member of the NHL, et cetera, et cetera, plus the colleges. No other city can put on a bean pot. The high schools are important. So it just is. So it, it, basketball starts. Realize that basketball didn't even exist in the Boston public schools from in the mid twenties until after World War II. It was in the suburbs, but not in the city. Um, I mean, this is the kind of tradition that you're fighting. It, so this basketball in, it has a, a little uphill climb in general terms. And if the Celtics hadn't done what they did in the fifties and sixties with the Russell uh, teams, uh, I don't think there would even be a franchise in Boston. Uh, uh, frankly, yeah, they could have moved out of the way, would, easily, yeah. There wouldn't have been a franchise. They would have, uh, if they, they hadn't, that, that kept up a certain level of interest. But, you know, the outside world is always astonished to find out that uh, during the 60s that the Bruins out through the Celtics regularly, even though the Bruins were a perennial last-place team and the Celtics were winning all those championships. Uh, it's a fact. And that's just it. So it's a struggle. And, it, and the one time that hockey, basketball reigned supreme without any question was the height of the bird era. And they did. And by the way, you know, you just don't want to get too wrapped up in this. The Celtics do fine. I, I'm amazed at how the attendance has held up, uh, how the attendance held up, even the first year of the Stevens year when, when the team was, was terrible. Um, the, the, the attendances are holding up fine. There are people who are, want to come out and support basketball. But uh, the grassroots uh, uh, this town uh, in the winter uh, still lean toward the hockey, and that's just the way it is. Well, it should play well, well this year, particularly since the Celtics are going to be very good and the Bruins will probably be terrible. But there is always also, I think, too, a sense of defeatism with many of outside sports fans who will just say, yeah, yeah, well, they're not going to win a championship this year. And that just, I think, is more of an NBA-type thing because every year going in the NBA, there's three to six teams that can win an NBA championship. But that will sort of, I guess, transition thing into actually discussing basketball as we finally uh, in some sort of capacity here thus far. And this is going to be sort of a little bit of a season preview-type segment for the Celtics. So I think the easiest way to get that really going is, Bob, it's uh, – I think the third Sunday now in October, opening uh, night is a week and a half away. The twenty sixth, mm-hmm. I believe, it's that's ten days. So, that's do you have any really, any reactions or takeaways thus far from the preseason? I mean, I don't know how much you've caught of them as yeah. well, considering it, all there's been it, on television. Go ahead. 
Yeah, it's been a busy sports time. It's always it's one of my favorite times, and and, and I haven't seen a lot. But what 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 I think the one thing that this team is, it's a good defensive team, and that's essential. And and uh, that you've got people that have a potential for a truly outstanding defensive backcourt when when uh, uh, Bradley and Smart are on the floor at the same time. And I'm very intrigued. And there's a name I think that I uh, I know that the brass would like that see him inject himself into the mix because of the attributes that he has, and that's Terry Rozier. His speed is really impressive, and his aggressiveness, and uh, I think that uh, uh, he could factor in very nicely, too, and that would really give him a dimension that, that uh, would be fun to have around. Um, they, um, yeah, they've got, uh, I think, I've, from, from a little bit and from what everything I've read, you know, their, their, their team, just their T-E-A-M unity is there. They move the ball. They, they, they have a, a pride in the defense. Uh, they are not the most a talented team but uh, around but uh, they're they're deep with a lot of interchangeable parts and um, uh, that that can serve you a long way take you a long way particularly in the regular season the the they're they're very definitely geared to, to be a good regular season team the question is going to be uh, you know when that's the been big, my train of thought come. as well yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be. It's different, and uh, we found that out. And and but that doesn't mean things can't evolve over the course of the year. It doesn't mean that uh, things can't happen. Uh, but on paper, right now, I say I'm looking for a 50 win plus season, uh, win the division, challenge Cleveland, uh, be, uh, to challenge, uh, can be. You want to be the second best team in the East? That's that's you know that that's a realistic fan goal. Don't be ridiculous and think you're going to be the best team. They, and, I don't, and and pay no attention to whatever they say because you know they have to you know that I've, I've learned you can't pay attention to, to what teams say about themselves, but but uh, in public because it's never the same as what it is in private. But uh, the fans should expect. A lot of things, good stuff this year, and and I think there will be disappointment if they don't win at least fifty games. Yeah, that's sort of what I've been uh, harping on as well. This is <clears throat> my first time back on the air now in almost about a month. Is I believe this team is built for the regular season for that same very reason, really because of their defense. They're just a complete wild card in the playoffs because there is that unknown factor. They have little to no playoff experience. It's amazing how a uh, cliche like playoff experience how it really seems to play out, and you need those initiation rights in the playoffs to advance. So I really don't know how they'll do in the playoffs, but I'm sort of with you on the 50-plus season. 50-plus win season, I'm in around 53, 55 wins. And really for defensively, I think they – I mean, I, I know you're not big on predictions. I think they're going to have the best defense in the NBA. I really don't see any weakness at any – really any aspect of their defense. Perimeter defense, guard and three-point line, I think – Last year, they held teams like 34% shooting, uh, mm-hmm. guard a three-point line. They were middle of the pack last year in defending the pick-and-roll. Yeah, Al Horford, he's one of the best pick-and-roll defending big men in the NBA. You would think that aspect would be shored up. Down low, they had some issues last year with the, Greg Mon- the very few traditional big men that are left in the NBA, like Greg Monroe, Derek Favors, and Rudy Gobert. Heard him in a game out in Utah right after the All-Star break. Horford isn't the classic rim protector per se, but he's a skilled big body who knows how to defend the paint. There's just, and of course, I, I, did I mention the department defense? I'm pretty sure I did. They have no weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, my goodness, they're going to be crazy forcing turnovers this year as well. I, I wanted to get almost into a, a rapid fire like segment with you. And I, and I think I was ready to start off really with biggest strength or the aspect of this team, this Celtics team that you're least worried about. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the defense? And if it is, I mean, feel free to name something else. 
No, that is the thing, right? I'm, and it's a nice, comforting feeling to know that you'll be able to survive nights when you shoot 38% or less, and, and, and they can win games that way. And that's very important, uh, no question. Um, uh, no, so, yeah, that is, that is a source. And, uh, and uh, the Horford thing, I'm glad you brought up the, the pick and roll thing because, um, though, and, and the fact that they still don't have that uh, a, a noted shot blocking uh, rim protector kind of guy. That's why I was a little interested in uh, possibilities of, that they had at the draft with the uh, pick and, and maybe grabbing a, a, a Noel from Philadelphia. Although, I, um, for example, because they're not going to be able to keep all those three big guys, um, but. You live without it. Uh, if you've got the kind of guy that uh, Horford is, uh, as you said, he's a smart veteran defender uh, uh, on the, down in the paint. Um, so, you know, uh, there, there, that's fine. Uh, the, the concerns, obviously, is that, that they have had offensive stagnation in, in, in those playoffs. And uh, uh, well, part of the reason is that there's a, a maybe a little bit too much dependence on Thomas, uh, who is a 20-points-a-game guy. Uh, and when the playoffs come and then teams can – Put extra emphasis on on stopping him, uh, um, you know. And he is. There's only so much when, when, when as much as we love him, and and I do enjoy watching him play immensely. You know, you have to uh, realize that you, you don't that being five nine. If he is five nine, I don't think he is. By the way, uh, is a, a tough way to go through life in the NBA, and it's just uh, they they can they can do things to you in the playoffs. So they need a. What one thing this team desperately needs, though, is somebody to come off the bench that can hit, score some quick points. They're hoping that guy will be Gerald Green. I we know, I know that. that we, we know that that they want that guy to be Gerald Green, uh, and that's he's an X factor, Larry. That I am really intrigued and curious to see, uh, you know, uh, how that one works out. Now he's not uh, he's got a injury to start, but he should be fine when the season comes. That to me is one of the great, the interesting uh, aspects of. Uh, we'll be, I'll be watching closely in the regular season when it starts. Is, is uh, will he be a factor? I think he's a, a little X, though, if anything. And I was just sort of going. It's funny that you transitioned to that because I was going to go right. I was ready to ask you that right this day. Our next little uh, rapid-fire bullet point was I was going to say, what's the biggest concern on this team? Last year they had a pretty good second unit. They had very good depth. But this year, their second unit is going to be very young. I know Terry Rozier, he's had the end of the season last year, he played pretty well in spot minutes, but those were spot minutes. Then he played pretty well in the summer league, but that's summer league. He's played pretty well thus far in the preseason, but it's preseason. We still don't know how anything about this second unit, how it will mesh. Rebounding could be really iffy. Last year, the only plus rebounder on the team was Jared Sullinger. They lost him. Amir Johnson was the only really halfway decent rebounder for his position. He's returning. Other than that, they really don't have any good rebounders for their position. What to you? What do you think is the biggest concern on this team going forward? Is it, is it lack of a quote-unquote guy down the stretch? Is it the second unit, which is it looks talented on paper, but it is very, very inexperienced? Marcus Smart's going to be the primary ball handler. We haven't even gotten to him yet, which I know you'll want to have the floor on him. Is it rebounding? Mm-hmm. What say you? Well, you're right about the rebounding. It is a concern. They're not one of the premier rebounding teams. I was just thinking, though, about and and it, you know, John's. It's true. Although Sullinger, I got tired of waiting for him to to, to do it, and I'm glad that he finally cut the cord on him. Uh, but anyway, um, 
Uh, one, there's another guy I think we should mention. He's not, not that he's going to shore up the rebounding thing, but he's an intriguing player that I've always liked and I still, and has had some times when he's been really effective and they do miss him and they're missing him right now. And when they get him back, if he can go back to where he's us. And that's Olenek. I love Olenek. And I just think that they've got to find a way to utilize his all around skill. He can pass from the high post. He can do a lot. And he can, and he can, I'm not going to use that dreaded word, uh, that dreaded phrase uh, that begins with the word stretch, but he can hit from the outside for a guy who's six feet 11. Uh, and, uh, and that's an asset. And the, the second unit is not – it just isn't formed yet. It just isn't fully formed yet because the Green's hurt and, and, and the Linux hurt, and Linux hasn't played at all. So it, down the road, that could be a real big infusion of, of, you know, of, of, of help, a lot of help there. Um, so there you go. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not – I think they have the potential to have an, a fine second unit, but certainly it's not ready to go yet. That's for sure. You still big on that Marcus Smart bandwagon? You used to drive it, and then yes. last year, okay. I am. I. I. I this is year three. Um, I. He is. He gets, does some. Th- when he's hitting, you know, when he hits shots, now you got it. You got a, the, the, a, a, a really useful player because he's always going to be able to give you the defense. He's always going to be able to uh, uh, do that for you. There's no question about it. But uh, uh, and and the, the, he, you talk about forcing turnovers. You talk about making plays uh, that are not makeable. <laughs> he can do that. Um, clearly, his shooting is spotty. And and uh, I, I liken him a lot uh, in, in in theory to Dennis the young Johnson. Don Chaney. Ooh, okay. And. Um, you know, and I go back obviously to that, and, and I saw that in our entire development. And and thank Tom Heinsohn worked tirelessly with him and got him to where he actually started making some jump shots. And, uh, and then you know the other stuff he did was was you know not we played, it was it was not replicable. Nobody was like with the could match those long arms and that aggressiveness and the, the, what he brought to the table defensively. And Smart has that kind of defensive capability. And um, so I'm just going to draw that comparison. I still think he can become that kind of guy. Uh, there's, I think there's no question Smart is going to be the key to the second unit, which right now looks to more to have the potential as more so an energy unit, really, more than production, at least at this point here in October in the preseason. But I, I personally think you're putting a little too much onus on Gerald Green. He's gotten off to nice starts for teams and has played well in spurts, particularly with the Nets. When Just when he returned to the NBA, he was decent in Phoenix at the beginning of the year a few years ago. But last year, he was effectively replaced by Joe Johnson late in the year. Uh, I, I don't know. I, that's what makes the bench such a question mark. But as we've been discussing, Smart's a key. His new shooting form, as he discussed here a few weeks ago, and of course, now we're watching in these games. He's got more responsibility as a playmaker, a ball handler. I mean, that's going back to really his OK State days. Kelly Olenek, whenever he's going to be ready, how is he going to return from that injury? He's a little soft and timid, as is at times. Is in a contract year, so that should give him uh, more of an incentive to kind of cowboy up a bit. Terry Rozier, we were just talking about, uh, who, when, you, when you watch, you see the improvements he's made. Danny Ainge just commented that, that the shooting has come remarkably long ways, but I do... Feel fairly comfortable with him even when the games begin to count. But he and Smart, from the small sampling of data we have in the preseason, Rogier and Smart seem incompatible out there with each other, Bob. But I could go on there for a bit. But those those are the key guys in generating points come the winter months. But hang on, uh, Bob. Everyone listening to, I got a break for a bit. We'll be back here very shortly with Bob Ryan of the Boston Globe here on Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Hey. 
Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, critically acclaimed author and host of Celtics Beat. And I'm privileged to be joined by Daryl Conant, former U.S. Olympic Committee strength coach and one of the leading strength and condition specialists in America. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here, Larry. Thank you. Daryl, you're a student of the legendary bodybuilder Vince Gironda. Tell me a bit more about Vince. Vince Gironda was considered the pioneer of pure natural bodybuilding. His training methods and nutritional concepts are still being incorporated in many gyms throughout the world today, and I had the privilege myself of having him as my mentor. How can we learn more about the methods of the Iron Guru? As a student of Vince Gironda, I always wanted to give back to Vince in some way. I wrote a book entitled Invincible that depicts many of Vince's programs and nutritional theories that he taught me. For more information on this book, folks can visit my website at www.darylcurrent.com. Daryl, Vince had so many methods and ideas for achieving optimal health. Care to share any while we're here? One of Vince's most popular nutritional concepts was his recommendation of eating organic, grass-fed beef to build muscle. Organic red meat is loaded with nutrients necessary for building quality muscle. As Vince would always say to me, you must eat the type of food that the muscle is made out of, red meat. Get on that path of effortless fat loss and optimal health by following the appropriate nutritional methods. And get it from the country's leading organic meat brand. American Farmers Network at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. CLNS Radio's leading online coverage of the Boston Celtics now even more comprehensive than ever. From the Celtics post-game show to the Guard Report to CSL and to Celtics Beat, CLNS Radio's Boston Celtics news feed provides narrated breaking news, game recaps, and news and notes for the NBA's winningest franchise, all provided in real time. Don't have the time to surf the web or search engines and plunge your head into your computer or smartphone to read up on all the latest on the Celtics? No problem. Multitask while listening to CLNS's Celtics newsfeed. And for the 2016-17 NBA campaign, the Boston Celtics pregame report with myself, Larry A. Trussell, will be released on the newsfeed on game days at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, making it the first pregame report to air anywhere. We will give you a featured interview from someone providing opposing insight, pregame notes, and go on a Celtics draft pick watch, all in just 12 minutes or less. Available on the Boston Celtics newsfeed on iTunes and Stitcher, and the CLNS Radio mobile podcast app. Welcome back into Celtics Beat, Bob Ryan, sports columnist, hammer writers for the Boston Globe, author of many books, including his memoir, Describe My Life in Sports. All right, Bob, continuing on this rapid-fire Celtics outlook, I know you're not a prediction guy. Many sports books out in Vegas have their 2017 over-under win total at 51.5 wins. I'm going to safely assume you're over. So how about this? You give me a best and worst-case scenario for the Celtics in 2016-17. Oh, best is... Obviously, winning, you know, winning the East, and uh, I mean, best. I I don't think that. I I still don't think that's feasible. I still think it's Cleveland and draw a line, and then we start talking about uh, a a number of teams, one of whom are the Boston Celtics, uh, vying for the uh, honor of playing in the Eastern Conference Final against the inevitable uh, uh, champion of the East, uh, uh, the the, the Cavaliers. That's what we're. That's the goal for me, Uh, and uh, I. 
you know, I think the Celtics will have a chance to be that team, uh, as do a few others, and, and uh, Toronto certainly. And uh, there's a couple of curious teams in the East, not the least of which are the New York Knicks, who will be better if they get on the floor, court. If, if, if and when Rose and Noah get on the court, um, you know, they might, they're, they're going to be better. They are. And uh, uh, they've got a mystery team such as uh, Chicago's a, got a whole new mix. God knows what they're going to be. We don't know what to expect from um, – uh, Miami uh, now they get, they threw the big money at Whiteside. Well, we'll see if he can live up to it. Uh, um, so I, um, but anyway, so that's the best case scenario. Uh, I will say is they go to the Eastern Conference Finals, and and uh, uh, that's a very successful season for me. The worst is obviously not making the playoffs. Somehow having a a lot of things go wrong. Uh, a, a a key injury. Uh, you know, if you lose Thomas, uh, for example. But don't you happens. think this team couldn't? Not to interrupt you because that's really what I do. Yeah, as well. that's right. Don't Go you ahead. think this team is really geared for? And I thought we saw it last year. Unless the whole team got sacked with injuries, isn't this team made to survive? An injury or two. I, I think they could survive multiple injuries at a time, and at least they'll squeeze out a playoff spot with how this team is built and, and, and the type of depth that they do have on this team. Like I think that unless you're looking at losing both Thomas and Horford mm. for like the whole season, unless it's something like that, like a, 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 a apocalypse, this team could survive multiple injuries to different players over the various courses. I, I, that's true, but you ask about worst-case scenario. You know, I mean, it's all hypothetical. Okay. We just do it to, uh, then the word, that's, yeah, no, you're right. They are, they, the depth is a calling card. So that means that it comes into play in, 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 in the short run and the long run. It comes into play in the given night when you've got foul trouble or, or, or somebody does go down with a, with a temporary injury and you're able to replace them. Uh, and it certainly goes, comes into play in the long run. Sure, that's absolutely a true truth. It's one of their assets. And that it, it'll, it'll come, uh, it, it'll, it'll show up uh, in both of those scenarios, sooner or later, short run, long run, the depth is going to be a factor, a positive factor, no question. I'll throw one other team that I have that's got a lot of athletic ability. And, Detroit. Uh, uh, well, and Milwaukee. Okay. And yes. and they they're nobody they're hiding in the bushes there, but uh, they're not going to be that easy to beat. The East is you know the East as we learned last year we saw uh, the documented is better than it was. It's improving. The gap between the West and the East is narrowed, and in fact the East did very very well in the in, uh, conference competition last year. And and the East is not is not as easy to win as people you know will remember it was um, three or four years ago. So um, they're not the only team that. I just caution the people. Yes, we we know what we got here, but uh, they're not the only team that that is thinking, uh, feeling pretty good about itself in the East this year. I do like Milwaukee as a wild card, mainly because whenever we do watch them, they've always they gave the Celtics some I think serious fits last year. All the games are very close, and the Celtics did win. I think they were all pretty much down to the wire games. I know there was a game late in the year where Boston was up late, and they held off a big comeback with uh, that crazy pass under the corner, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Thomas. But just how Milwaukee is built, although I think with the addition of Horford now, I think Boston can handle the Bucks a little bit better. But they are certainly an intriguing team. They were supposed to really bust out last year uh, after they signed Monroe. Didn't happen. But they've always been interesting, and they they're seem like an odd even whenever they really disappoint mm-hmm. the following year. They come back, they have a good season. How about a little earlier? You referenced that if they didn't win 50-some games, that it was almost – it would be a letdown. Do you have any like concrete definition on what is or what is not a successful season? It depends. Um, not a universal uh, law of mind that applies each and every year. Uh, no. I mean, it, this, the, you look at what you've got to offer. What, you, what, what do we have? 
And what's the competition? Everything is always relative. And, and, and I think that it's a reasonable uh, request of the, of the roster, the Boston Celtics players and coach, that, what, who, uh, that they are good enough to win 50 games. Uh, they're not the only team, of course, uh, that, that is looking at itself and feeling that way. So I think that's a reasonable thing. I mean, uh, and, and it's like, for example, uh, when, but, but everything is specific. Uh, I'll just cross back sport just for a second, just for an example to answer your question. I did not think the Red Sox had any chance of winning the World Series. I, I wrote as far back as June, they've got a pitching staff for the regular season, not for the playoffs, and, and, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, I didn't think they would get uh, swept by the Cleveland Indians, but I, but I didn't think they were going to go all that far either, and, and, and for a specific reason, namely the pitching staff. And it turned out to be uh, a large part of the reason they didn't hit very well either, as it turned out. But So uh, that, that's an example. I, I, uh, I, had, I had lower expectations than a lot of people. I have reasonably high expectations for this edition of the Boston Celtics, and, and, and that, as I said, is – defining it as going to play Cleveland for the Eastern Conference Championship. Yeah, this is sort of what, not to go back on the defense, though, but this sort of goes back to having a top tier, top three, number one defense overall. Is usually when you ha- If you're number one defense in the NBA, that's pretty much a guarantee for 50 wins, no matter who you have on the roster. I want to ask something real fun. This is a bullet point of this uh, as well. What about the regular season game in which you are most looking forward to? Clearly, the visit of the uh, Golden State Warriors. Uh, that uh, I want to see them. Uh, I want to. I, I have. It. I'm curious to see how this is going to work out. We we had that early uh, shocker uh, in the preseason when they won by over 50 points and they beat the Clippers, and and it all flowed, uh, you know, in, in a frightening manner. Uh, but I want to see them, and uh, that that would be the the easy answer. Uh, you know, you say, well, the Cavaliers, you know, I mean, I'm fine, but they, you know, I, I'm a big member of the LeBron fan club. I always enjoy watching LeBron play, but clearly uh, the, we're, we're all curious. I mean, who isn't? If you're a basketball fan, you're an NBA fan, uh, you know, you have your feeling of whether you're, you, you like or don't like what Durant did and, and don't like his thought process or you do like it. Uh, you know, I wish he hadn't gone there. Obviously, it would be nice if he came here. We know that. But, but I wish he hadn't gone there, and uh, I, I wish he had stayed in Oklahoma City. That's my first thing. But he didn't. And now he's, got this, he's, he's there with those guys, and you know, they're, we'll see how the thing blends. They, they're not, they're, remember, they, uh, in order to make the cap room to get them, uh, they, they had to expunge some people. Now, they're not going to miss Harrison Barnes, certainly not when they got uh, Durant. But they may very well miss Bogut, and uh, we'll see if, how that plays. You really gonna wait till November nineteenth or whatever it is to watch them? I feel like you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get your eyes on them. I'm not. I, I I think I'll catch the Warriors on late night in the meantime. But you ask me what game I'm looking for here, and that's the game I'm looking for. Okay. All right. And I I wanted to wrap it up. Did with I that. misinterpret the question? I'm sorry. No. I, no. No. I just the reasoning. I was gonna actually wrap it up though with that, Bob. But this guy's been. A, or is going to be a theme on this show, I think at least until maybe he doesn't, God forbid he falls out of the rotation, but his name was never mentioned. Before just to wrap, before we wrap this up, I just got to mm-hmm. just ask generally, thoughts on Jalen, where do you sort of come down on Jalen Brown and whatever, whatever his place will be in the NBA? I have to see more, obviously. I, 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 when they took him, 
I, I just said to people, look, I have no feel. I have, I have no opinion on this. I don't, I don't, I'm not praising it. I'm not knocking it. I don't know. Because most of the other people who were in the mix, I had at least seen uh, as a college basketball fan that I am. I had seen them to some, and had some feel. But I did not have a feel for this young man. I didn't see Cal play, I'm, uh, and I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, and I didn't watch the summer stuff. I haven't seen him yet. Honest to God, no, I've been reading all about him. But and and I'm intrigued, and I, I really want it to work. He sounds like he's going to fit into this defensive thing automatically. Tremendous. Uh, there's a question about his outside shot, and and uh, but uh, athletically, people know he's he's, uh, he's and he can get to the basket, and he prides himself. I've been reading him. He prides himself in getting the basket. Sure, if he can inject himself into the mix and be a uh, and 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 be a, a a reasonable offensive threat, it sounds like he's a ready-made defensive player. Then that's a tremendous uh, guy to throw into the mix. And um, so he's a, uh, I said that Green was an X factor. Well, obviously Brown's one. And uh, uh, that that could ch- that could change a lot if he's if he's really ready to play. Bob Ryan, sports columnist, emeritus for the Boston Globe. You can follow Bob on Twitter at Globe Bob Ryan. And of course, as always, we get out on the show. Scribe still available local bookstores, audiobook on Audible, and all the online usuals. Mr. Ryan, thanks so much for stopping by. Celtics speak once again. You're welcome. Let's talk along the way. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of CLNS Radio, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Radio New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice, and live on CLNSRadio.com immediately after every single Pats game. Call in at 929-477-2386, toll-free, to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter polls for the play of the game, and everything else that is going on with the four-time Super Bowl champions. Subscribe to the CLNS Radio New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher, and the best way, download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere. One o'clock kickoff for the Patriots today. Those guys will probably go live around 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, barring an overtime. So shouldn't have that again. Cincinnati Patriots should take care of them. No worries and no concerns at all. Unlike the concerns that I have for OGs, I threw that in there at the end with Bob because no doubt his name is going to come up, not just in this space today, but throughout the year. Number three overall draft pick, Jalen Brown. I feel like with Jalen, and he's actually, and you know what, we got, I don't know, 15 or so minutes left here. Good time to get a little player outlook segment in as much as I can for 16, 17. So we finished with Jalen Brown. With Bob, I was curious if he had an opinion on him. He didn't. I do. Finished with him. Let's start with him. Disclaimer, hated the draft pick, as many of you know. Still do. I have yet to be won over on him, particularly when I'm in Bob's boat. I did not watch much of him at Cal, but his production was not there. He didn't do anything. And this is what I really hate. There's just no redeeming quality to his game. I've said that a lot throughout the summer. I'm reiterating it here. I've never cared for players that where they don't have any skill set that they have mastered. There's nothing that's like, say, for example, one night their shot isn't falling, but they can then go dominate the glass. They can always force turnovers on the defensive end or lock someone down or whatever. Jalen does not have that. Well, at least not yet. 
But there's nothing that he does exceptionally well. And there's this bias on him that he is a good defender. You just heard Bob being guilty of it. That some people think, oh, long arms, athletic as hell, good defender. Not really. At least not at Cal. At least not what I've seen thus far in the preseason. Has he had his, his moments of showing some explosiveness around the rim? He had a big dunk against Philadelphia. He had that great finish to the game against the Nets back on Thursday night, I believe, when the Celtics pulled one out uh, by a couple point win there. But there's just nothing that he's really, there's nothing that he does very well that he's going to be able to count on. And in terms of his body and this perception that he's going to be this great defender, example I'll use. I thought Danny Ainge felt guilty of that himself when he traded for Jeff Green in that infamous 2011 deadline deal where the team was on the brink of facing LeBron and Carmelo in the playoffs. And it was, oh, let's get an athletic wing. They fell guilty over Jeff Green's so-called NBA body, but that it's not actually what he did on that end. Likewise, that's the case with Jalen. Yes, I know, before someone says, oh, he had that great game against the Nets. Okay, By the way, it's, that certainly goes back to him, too, saying all the right things. He's very good at that. He's easy to win you over because he's very well-spoken, and, and I, I actually had to laugh in that post-game interview with Abby Chin. He's talking about how he lives for these moments, and this is what he's grew up play, uh, dreaming about when he was playing basketball in the driveway. And Yes, it was a cl- – dude, preseason – Against the worst team in the NBA. I'm not sure that's what you were dreaming up, but I, I had to laugh at that one. But I, okay, I just, I hated the pick. I still don't think much of his NBA prospects. I asked Austin Ainge, he pretty much runs the draft for the Celtics on this broadcast a couple months ago. I asked him point blank, sell me on, on Jalen Brown. And all you get is NBA body, great kid, NBA body, great kid, NBA body, great kid. He, Let's see him produce. Uh, let's let's see him produce. Now, the, the good thing is, is he an important component or someone that the 2017 Celtics need? Not really. Because even the best case scenario for him this year is he offers some athleticism along the perimeter, which this team has a surplus of. So it's more about him going forward. The key guys for the Celtics in 2017, okay, well, of course, outside of Thomas Horford Crowder, because... We know what we're going to get from them. We know the starters, what they'll do, and that that's the, that's the big take. With this preseason, they have looked great, particularly in the times when I've seen the effort levels similar on both teams, which, as we know, preseason you don't always do. Because this is, this is where the numbers lie a bit because you really need the eye test to see the effort level. Look, example, back on Friday night, Golden State doesn't look great against Denver because they didn't care about Denver, but in watching... Third quarters, that's the key. Third quarters in preseason, starters are on the floor. They're coming out after the half. They're warmed up a bit as opposed to at the beginning of the game. They're going through the motions. They're just trying to run some of the sets employed by the coaching staff. It's almost like a glorified practice. But this October, I'm watching these games. Third quarter, that's when at least I've seen effort levels be comparable for both the Celtics and in their opponents. Right out of the gate, when both teams play their starters, that's... That is when the Boston's big guns have really asserted themselves. I go back to a week ago, over a week ago, last Saturday, I believe. That was the real standout when they just punked Charlotte with a 40-point third quarter. That was a playoff team from last year. Real quick point, two in the starting lineup, because I don't want to go on to forever. But lineups that are predominantly our starters, uh, in my observations, the half-court offense, something that was, of course, a disaster at times last season, 
That has looked very good. The ball movement has been great thus far. A lot of passing, a lot of handoffs, a lot of motions, running an array of offensive sets. There's really good versatility there. The coaching, I think, has been great. And what I've seen, and and Mr. Ryan touched upon this a bit, is that when the offense sort of bogs down either on their own or whatever the opponent is doing, is that the Celtics, they can now just run a pick and roll, especially with Horford. You know, Bob brought that up himself, but... Horford, whether it's the pick or Horford, he can pop himself a bit. And just Horford on his own, seemingly allowing for more open shooters, that offense should be far more tolerable this year. But back to the bench, because this is going to be a key to this. If they're good, then the Celtics will be great. If the bench is good, the Celtics will be great. They need not just the production, not just the energy, but they need individuals to step up and give what is more than originally anticipated to offer lineup flexibility. That is going to be a a big, big thing. Two more names, and I've talked about them. I've touched upon them a bit, so I'll now go further here. Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart. It's odd. Let's start with Rozier. He's playing great. It's odd because, as I've stated, uh, from what we've seen thus far, it's not not easy to assume this, but Rozier, last year, when he came back from Maine, he looked okay in some spot minutes. Didn't do anything. I can't recall even a great game that he had. But he looked like he belonged on a basketball court in spot duty. Even squeezing some uh, minutes in the playoffs. Summer League, we know that. He played great. But it's the Summer League. Now preseason, you say, ah, oh, it's preseason. But he's making shots at that. And that was the big knock on him coming out of that draft was shooting. So he's passing all the tests that are in, in front of him. And now it's going to be regular season. They'll need him. And the Celtics will need Marcus Smart. They're going to need some... Not a lot, but some playmaking on the second unit. And I don't see where they're going to get that from other than someone who was one of the most highly recruited point guards out of high school and was who the number six overall pick in the draft just three years ago. And then down the bench you go, Olenek. Listen, obviously we're running a bit uh, on time here, so can't talk about the entire team. But when he comes back, I'm not sure you're going to get that 40% from three guy that was just stroking it around the All-Star break last year. I asked Bob Ryan what the biggest concern is. And hey, I confessed... I kind of answered that question for him. It is the bench, and here's why. Because going into this season, I can safely say that the Celtics in 2017, uh, they're going to be in the bottom third in the NBA in the rebounding department. That is a given. I just can't see how any other way. As I said, one average rebounder on the team for his position, and that's for a guy who's going to miss probably 20 to 30 games uh, based on his recent history and probably play no more on average than 22 minutes a night. Amir Johnson. Everyone else, right on down from Al Horford, Avery Bradley, who's technically one of the worst rebounding guards in the NBA. It's Everyone else on the team is all below average to poor rebounders. So we know rebounding is going to be a problem. We know Boston is going to struggle there. That'll be one key facet of basketball that's going to be a big deficiency. We don't know about the second unit. It is the joker in the deck. And the thing is... The Celtics need that joker to be an ace or, or God forbid, even like a nine or ten of hearts or something. It's got to be a plus. It'd be hard for the Celts to fulfill the potential a lot of fans and outside observers believe that they have. Like, let, let's exclude Eastern Conference Finals from this because, as Bob said, the playoffs are a different story in terms of measuring this team and, and everything. But the dreams of, God forbid, 55 to 60 wins. That's hard enough to accomplish, but no matter how good or I assume anyone, they're going to be defensively. And I believe they're going to be the best. We all, we, I've said that enough. It's it's going to be harder for them to, I don't know, be like the 2015 Atlanta Hawks with, with a bad bench, all while being also a bad rebounding team. That's a lot to overcome. 
Those are just too many key deficiencies. The second unit, it's very inexperienced and unproven. And they're all new to each other. These guys, they've, they're very limited sampling of five-man unit experience together. So the bench, and really, it's really more so Smart, Rogier, Olenek. Those are the three guys. Those guys will likely decide if the Celtics are a middle-of-the-pack Eastern or a middle-of-the-Eastern Conference playoffs. You know, 49-50, wins, slightly improved from last year. Maybe, you know, a four seed in the East to, to being a replica of, of that Hawks team. Or maybe even a poor man's, God forbid, mid-2000s. I'm not saying championship, but poor man's mid-2000s Detroit Pistons, of course. That was a a good rebounding team, whereas we know this Boston team won't be. But whatever. Really being in that teardown from the true title contenders in the NBA, which we know there are only two of this year. But the dark horse category, it's going to be their bench. That'll decide. And really, like I said, Kelly Olenek, when he gets healthy, and then... Possible leaps from Rogier and Smart. The new shot, the new form. You heard him talk about it on Celtics Beat with Jared Weiss a few weeks ago. He should be commended for putting in the work in the summer and trying to improve. But what will the results be? Guys change the like, let's go like little cross board comparison. Guys change their swings in golf. That takes time. Matt Kuchar saved his career. Other times they never see results. So with all the changes. Now it simply comes down to whether the outside shots go in the basket for Marcus or they don't. But believe me, I believe one man once said it's a make or miss league. Name isn't ringing a bell. I can't. Someone refresh my memory, but oh goodness. But the Celtics get leaps from those three guys. Then the second unit will be a plus, and it's off the damn races. Predictions uh, next week. I talked actually with Bob off air before we jumped on. He was adamant to me. He's just like, no predictions, LHR. So how about this? Next week, we'll lay it on the line. I usually do so uh, alongside the staff on CLNSradio.com. I'm going to take it here, but I'm going to give you a promise as well. That is not going to be the highlight of next week's episode number 180. I have a great, great guest uh, for our audience on the eve of the season, our October 23rd episode. We've been getting some great people here uh, for recently, of course, years. This is uh, We are now entering our fifth Celtics season with the Celtics Beat Podcast. Of course, I mean, how do we reward our audience with, in some small capacity, giveaways. Uh, last time where I was here, we concluded a Paul Pierce autograph, 8x12 photo, as well as uh, passes to Celtics Open Practice. Now our next contest will be well it's going to last a month and that is going to be for this is a good one write this one down tickets to Wednesday November 30th against the Detroit Pistons so a good good game that's a team a lot of people in the know like Kevin Pelton he's big on their outlook so two tickets November 30th against the Detroit Pistons Enter by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Celtics Beat on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Beat on iTunes. We run this one a lot because they are very, very important. It's a huge help to the show. That's why we do it. We're not beggars here as well. We don't tell our audience like many other podcasts do to give us five stars just because you have to give us five stars. Please offer your honest feedback. It's very important to us. Hey, I mean, if you want to give us five stars and write some kind words, we're awesome. We love we love you for it. But either way, subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Speed on iTunes for free entry into a contest to win two tickets to see the Celtics take on the Pistons at the TD Garden in a little over a month. Can't write a review without subscribing, as we need also that review 
to enter your name into the drawing and it just takes a few brief seconds so we'd love for everyone to enter and if you've already done so maybe get a friend to do it or maybe you haven't but subscribe rate and review Celtic Speed on iTunes and that is going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat Music for this show was provided by Will Rock, Project R, Joshua Morse, and Steph Legretto. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is at Celtics underscore Beat. I'm at CLNS underscore LHR. You can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. Love to thank our guest, Bob Ryan, as well as our sponsors, Movement Watches and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For staff writer Eddie Santiago, graphic designer Taylor Otter, founder of the network Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.